This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, September 11th. I'm Gavin McGaugh. And I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, county commissioners visit Placerville. G is for government, previews Telluride Town Council. The storytelling of a recipe. And a mountain weather forecast. But first, Montrose lost a member of its community this weekend. On the evening of Saturday the 9th, Grayson Forrest was found dead in a home on Hastings Mesa. According to the San Miguel County Coroner's Office, it appears Forrest was alone at the time of his death and was later found by members of his family. He was 24 years old. Cribbon Funeral Home will attend to services. The case is under investigation by the Colorado Bureau of Investigation and the coroner's office. Forrest is survived by his mother, Sarah, his father, Jessere, and his siblings, Caden and Sophia. Last Thursday, in Placerville, as the sun took up its lingering light from the valley and the hills showed yellow in the oncoming dusk, a crowd gathered in the Placerville schoolhouse to meet with their county commissioners. Um, this is a meeting of the San Miguel County Board of Co- County Commissioners. It's a special meeting on Thursday. The San Miguel Commissioners gathered along with a handful of county staff to hear the concerns of Placerville residents. Angela Monferrato was happy to oblige their request for input, and she says elected officials have neglected Placerville for years. Nothing happens. We just don't get anything because everybody wants us to incorporate, and we don't want to incorporate, and we get punished for it. That's the bottom line. I'm being right up front, as I always have been. (laughs) Says County Commissioner Lance Waring. We're here tonight to start to change that. As Monferrato points out, Placerville is unincorporated. So unlike Norwood, Ofer, Telluride, and other area towns, it has no governing body of its own. It thus falls under the scope of the county. Amidst juggling different priorities and a vast territory, commissioners say they'd like to better meet Placervillian needs. Discussion quickly turned to traffic control, an issue which proceeded to dominate the evening. Don Lumberg is a longtime resident of 3rd Street. I would put a speed bump in the middle, I don't know, you know, or just before Mark Dressy's house. Because that corner in particular, if you, if you drive that street, you can see where the traffic flow is. It's obvious. There's, there's at least 10 potholes in that intersection. And everybody's trying to dodge a pothole when they're turning off of 3rd Street to go to Grig Street. Meanwhile, down on Front Street, the main road of Placerville, the issue is one of through traffic. Commuters hopping off Interstate 145 to use the bathroom or visit the general store tend to fly through town, oblivious of the speed limit. One possible solution? Install a gate near the south side of Front Street by the fire station, so the street no longer functions as a throughway. Sandy McLaughlin, for one, is in favor, especially as it could reduce traffic near the park, a popular hangout for area kids. People will eventually get used to that gate. Let's try to make things work, and we don't know until we try, but I think that could work. And that way, maybe, you know, people go to Sandy's store, great, but maybe they'll just pull on out and not even do do the Delta Post Office. Commissioner Lance Waring points out if the gate caused more problems than it solved, it could always just be opened back up. Waring runs through a list of other community requests, which the commissioners feel able to fulfill. 
So far we're talking drainage swale potential, we're talking stop sign at the intersection potential and possibly swale at the uh, Mark Jesse's residence. And we're talking a potential flashing sign at the dangerous intersection at the bottom of the hill. Yeah. All those are valid and possible. Um, so that's good news. Even as some residents express frustration at past efforts by county commissioners, the full crowd gathered at the schoolhouse this evening seems like evidence they're still willing to show up and give commissioners another chance. Telluride Town Council is talking short-term rentals at its meeting on Tuesday with discussions on hospital district funding and the budget. In this installment of G is for Government, Council Member Geneva Shawnette shares what to expect. Hey Geneva, thanks for joining for another installment of G is for Government. Wouldn't miss it for the world. Telluride Town Council is meeting on Tuesday, and you're starting off the day with, at this point, kind of like the staple work session. <laughs> um, what is that looking at? Yeah, so we're going to have our second town council level work session on our future short-term rental policy. This is obviously a topic that's gotten so much attention over the last few years uh, in Telluride, as well as many other mountain towns. Um, we've done uh, quite a bit of data research, and we've been studying what other towns are doing and seeing what we think will work for a little custom solution here in Telluride. Um, we are not going to be making any decisions tomorrow. This is still just a work session, um, but the the second one at the council level. So we will get a presentation. We will discuss where we're at and keep getting closer to establishing what that future policy is going to be. Got it. Then you're going to break for lunch, come back and have kind of that admin stuff that happens um, directly following lunch with boards and proclamations, bear awareness week and the like. Um, what do you have when it comes to work sessions or action items in the afternoon? So we have two work sessions in the afternoon um, starting at 1.15. We have the Historic and Architectural Review Commission annual report, um, which will sort of give us an update on what that commission's been working on and notable projects, et cetera. Um, then we are going into our two-hour discussion on capital fund and enterprise capital funds. So this is sort of the beginning of really digging into the budget um, meetings that we're going to have over the next couple weeks and months as we prepare next year's budget. Um, for those who don't know, the capital fund is basically the fund uh, funded mostly from real estate transfer tax, 3% of every sale, uh, property sale in the town of Telluride goes into that fund, and we use it to do capital projects in all departments ranging from uh, upgrades to the wastewater treatment plant to improvements in the park, improvements in on roads and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So we'll be discussing uh, what all those are. And then the enterprise um, capital funds are basically enterprise funds are funds that are supposed to uh, be run like businesses. So like uh, the water fund, you know, we collect money from water users and we use that to pay for uh, the water system. Um, but we have capital projects that come fall under those funds as well. So that'll be a two hour long work session uh, after the HARC recap. 
Got it. Um, those are some big and important things happening in the afternoon. Is there anything else that you think listeners would be interested in or should tune into during town council this week? Um, yeah, I think m- many people have heard what's going on with the Telluride Hospital District and the Med Center um, and their funding uh, challenges right now. Uh, we will be considering an action item uh, to lend some uh, financial assistance to the hospital district to get them through this really tight period um, that they're experiencing. Uh, so we'll be voting on that. Uh, Mountain Village has also voted on this and considered this um, funding issue as well as San Miguel County. So we are just the final um, the final municipality to weigh in on the funding the hospital district question. And then later in the afternoon, um, we have our normal. I always think that the administrative reports are interesting. Maybe I'm just a nerd, but um, hearing from the manager about uh, manager's report about goings on around town, uh, the attorney's reports, we will also be hearing from Eco Action and uh, San Miguel Power Associations um, and just sort of talking about those important issues that are going on in our community. Perfect. Geneva, thanks for coming in and chatting a little bit for GS for Government. All right. We'll see you tomorrow. Jen Newins got her love of cooking from her mother. Janice, who was um, loved cooking and cooked extravagant meals for us as we were growing up. Uh, she, she was always subscribing to all the food magazines um, in the 70s and 80s. And uh, we, we always chuckled together because we would eat at like 8, 9, 10 at night <laughs> growing up. Um, and um, we, we, our, our mom was just passionate and she was always throwing dinner parties and um, we would always help her. Newins has been in the culinary field for almost 30 years. She graduated from culinary school, has worked as a cookbook writer, editor and publisher and is now a literary agent for cookbook writers. She remembers the first recipe she ever wrote. It was a recipe for green chili egg rolls. Um, and it was egg roll wrappers wrapped around green chilies with Monterey Jack. So it was like an egg roll, but stuffed with green chili and Monterey Jack cheese. And then they were coated with egg, egg washed and then baked. They were pretty good. And then we dipped them in paste picante sauce. This week, Newins will be in Telluride for a series of classes and workshops with the Wilkinson Public Library and the AHA School for the Arts. At the library, she'll be teaching a class on recipe writing. Not everyone is going to be a, a cookbook author, but I feel like recipes are so important to us as a culture. Um, I structured the class around family recipes um, I inviting I'm inviting everyone to bring their their favorite family recipe. Um, I'm picturing them being on kind of like index cards um, but probably more likely these days they're um, emailed. She says the workshop is structured to help write recipes that will be easy for others to follow. You know you go to someone's house and you have something delicious and you ask for the recipe. 
Um, and this has probably happened to many, many people, but you bring it home and you try to recreate it and it just, it doesn't work or it doesn't taste the same. So this is kind of a workshop where you learn how to write a recipe that other people can duplicate at home. Newens notes the key is often taking any uncertainty out of the writing itself. If you think about something like basil or, or a leafy herb, the way you write down how they're um, measured or chopped makes a difference. So, for example, if you say half a cup of chopped basil leaves, that could be interpreted a couple of different ways. Are the leaves first measured, like mushed up in the cup measure and then chopped? Or are they chopped first and then put in the cup? You know, basil's pretty forgiving, so it's probably not going to make a big difference in a recipe. But another ingredient like that, it might make a big difference. So in the workshop, I'll be teaching how to make sure your reader knows exactly what to do with the ingredient. Keeping or sharing a recipe is important, Nguyen says, as a form of storytelling. It's a way of passing on our traditions and our culture to the next generation or to the next um, multi-generations. I think, you know, in, in um, other cultures, it's more of an oral tradition where people are passing on things through, um, you know, oral stories and, in you know, contemporary um white people's culture it's 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 recipes are a form of our you know the way we we pass on our culture um and and they get passed down through generation to generation new ones will be hosting a recipe writing class at the wilkinson public library on wednesday september 13th from 10 a.m to noon the class is free and open to the public She will also be hosting a number of classes with the AHA School, including cooking with spice and a market day cooking class. Registration is available at aha.org. Two small fires started in the region over the past several days. On Monday, a fire began burning at Tree Line west of the Snuffles High Line Trail near Mount Emma. The fire is approximately two miles north of Telluride on the south aspect of the Pack Basin area. Only one engine is responding due to the rough terrain. Thunderstorms are likely in the region on Monday afternoon. The Spring Creek Fire ignited on Sunday, approximately 15 miles southwest of Montrose on U.S. Forest Service land. The fire is currently burning 16 acres after getting fought down on Monday. The fire is 0% contained. According to the Forest Service, the fire has high spread potential. No structures are threatened. As the response is ongoing, the public need not call 911 regarding the fires or smoke appearing in those areas. San Miguel County is opting in to Proposition 123. Last year, voters in Colorado approved a measure directing tax dollars towards a statewide fund for affordable housing projects. Communities and municipalities can now sign up to access those funds so long as they pledge to build a certain number of affordable housing units each year. Given their housing goals, Manager Mike Bordonia says for the county, There's really very little, if any, downside to us opting in and uh, immense upside potential of uh, various funding streams. While uptake of the program got off to a slow start, communities across the state are beginning to commit. 
A few dozen, including the towns of Telluride, Mountain Village, and Ridgeway, have signed on and been approved to begin receiving funds in 2024. The deadline to sign on is November 1st. Colorado's two indigenous tribes will be getting some of the settlement money from the state's lawsuit with opioid manufacturers. The Southern Ute Tribe will receive almost $1.3 million, and the Ute Mountain Ute Tribe will get almost $750,000. The Attorney General's office says those amounts are comparable to those going to neighboring communities and were chosen based on the opioid epidemic's impact on the tribes. The money must be used for drug treatment, recovery, prevention, and education. Those funds are separate from settlements that were reached directly between Native American tribes and opioid companies. A recent Garfield County Library's Board of Trustees meeting drew a large crowd. People showed up with differing viewpoints to debate whether books depicting sexual scenes in the adult section should be restricted or removed. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Aspen Public Radio's Caroline Yanis has more. Rifle resident Trish O'Grady brought a petition to the Board of Trustees asking that two Japanese manga graphic novels and other materials with age warnings be placed in locked cabinets, and that librarians must see ID to check them out. If these requirements are not met, then we request all materials of the aforementioned warning be removed from the library inventory. Garfield County Library's Executive Director Jamie LaRue says a patron harassed a librarian at the Silt Branch, accosted a patron in an LGBTQ pride shirt, and took those books from their correct section and placed them in the children's section. O'Grady stood up and took credit. LaRue says that behavior is unacceptable and was met with applause. In fact, they did exactly what they falsely accused the library of doing, which is pushing adult content on children and moving it from where it's supposed to be shoved. I just want to make it clear that everyone has the right not to be bullied or intimidated or maliciously interfered with in the library. The board capped public comment at 30 minutes, but LaRue suggested a separate community forum for people to further share their thoughts with the library. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, I'm Caroline Yanez. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for a 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms tonight, with mostly cloudy skies and a low around 40 degrees. Tuesday, there's a 90% chance of showers and thunderstorms. The high is around 60 during the day, with a low around 40 degrees at night. Wednesday, expect showers and thunderstorms with a high in the mid-50s. Wednesday night should be mostly clear with a chance of showers and thunderstorms in a low near 40 degrees. This has been the news for Monday, September 11th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. Hello, 
Kokoro listeners. This is April Montgomery with the Telluride Foundation. I want to invite you to a presentation on water, drought, and the future of agriculture. On Tuesday, September 12th, from 5 to 7 p.m. at Telluride Arts Gallery West on Main Street in Telluride. This presentation is hosted by the Telluride Foundation and the Colorado Water Trust and includes a panel of Western Slope ranchers sharing how they are thinking about water scarcity, a changing climate, and the future of agriculture. If you are interested in learning more and engaging in this conversation about the ongoing water crisis and how ranchers and farmers are thinking about solutions, please join us. Again, that's September 12th, 5 to 7 p.m. at Telluride Arts Gallery West on Main Street. But please RSVP by going to the Telluride Foundation's website on the homepage in the What's New box. Thank you, Kodo. This river flows. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at Kodo. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.